another edition of Children of Song, the podcast that explores what it must have been like growing up surrounded by music. For those of you who are taking this journey with us for the first time, we've mostly talked with musicians whose parents influenced their destinies in the music business. Today, I'm going to introduce you to a couple of up-and-comers who have one thing in common. They don't know one another, but neither one of them has a plan B. It's music or nothing. I'm Robert K. Orman, and I'm joined by my producer, Brad Newman. Hey, Brad. Hey, hey. Brad's here to make sure we stay on track. As we continue what we're calling our Nashville sessions, we find ourselves in the heart of the city here on Church Street with two of the brightest up-and-coming singers the industry has to offer. They've both been on Artists to Watch lists for 2017. Welcome Carly Pierce and Clayton Anderson. Thank you guys for being here. Thank you. So, Carly, there is... You are a child of song. You have been doing this just about literally all your life. Talk about the very first music, the very first songs that you started to to spit out. <laughs> well, I grew up uh, in Kentucky, and my grandparents loved bluegrass music and country music, and so I was exposed to you know Loretta Lynn and um, a lot of bluegrass gospel and Dolly and Tammy Wynette, and so I grew up just loving that kind of music from a very early age and always knew I wanted to be a country singer. What, when were you first on stage? How old were you? I was probably eight years old. You know, I did all the the little competitions and talent shows and things like that, and then started uh, with a bluegrass band when I was 11, kind of actually figuring out what that felt like to be with a band and not just singing to karaoke tracks. But you were frontlining. I mean, you were out there in front. I was, and they were all, you know, older men. They were men. adults, yeah. <laughs> they were older men. Uh, and now looking back on it, I laugh and say to my parents, how could you think that at 11 years old, I was capable of doing that. And why did they want me to do that? Um, But it really did shape and mold me from a very young age of understanding timing of music and understanding how to emote a song and how to be on stage and work with a band. And so, uh, yeah, I've always been on stage. What was your repertoire like when you were in the bluegrass band? Were you doing like standards? We did a lot of standards. Um, some of the guys in the band wrote. I wasn't writing songs at that time, so I would I learned their songs, and we sang a lot of hymns in church and just different things like, like that. Like Rocky Top and stuff like that? Rocky Top, not so much more. Um, I sang a lot of Alison Krauss in the band. Oh, okay. And, uh, like I said, we did a lot of like the Isaacs and um, a lot of bluegrass hymns. Now, you tried out for Dollywood. Before you were legally allowed to by the Dollywood people, right? I did. Shh, don't tell. I'm just kidding. I know. Um, did you yeah, lie? I did lie. Uh, when I was 16, I went to my dad after my uh, freshman year of high school, and I said, Dad, I'm done with school. And he said, no, you're not. <laughs> and I convinced him to give me the summer for a homeschooling program that would get me into a university, even though I knew I didn't want to go. And he let me. And I was 16 at the time, and you had to be 17 turning 18 in order to audition, but I lied. And they ended up hiring me, and I told them, I said, I'll be 17 when the show starts. And so we did, my mom and I moved to Pigeon Forge, and I homeschooled, and I did six shows a day, five days a week, and did everything from, uh, you know, uh, classic country music up to the pop country and contemporary country of today. So I did kind of a wide variety of all kinds of songs and took people on a journey of the country format. You have to you have to sing us what you auditioned with. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I will so do it. Well I'm a huge I'm a huge Dolly fan. I am too. She's my girl. I did work nine to five for her, you know, so <laughs> uh, and one of my favorite songs that she ever wrote was Jolene, so that's what I did. Jolene, 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 Jolene 
please don't take my man Jolene, 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 oh Jolene Please don't take me even though you can Very good, very good I would have hired you Yes <laughs> So Clayton, you... You came at music from an early age, too? Yeah, I mean, uh, music was always around in our house. The, uh, no one played in bands or anything. My, my parents, you know, they're just... My mom worked in a high school in a bank, and, and my dad was a factory worker. So uh, she loved Elvis Presley, so uh, we had this old record player that was really cool and awesome. And uh, every, anytime she would get to cleaning, uh, obviously the Elvis Presley records would come on or a little Grease soundtrack would be there. And uh, so, so that was that was her influence. And then uh, my dad was a huge rock and roll fan, so he would have these Kiss records. And I remember being so enamored with the face paint and the war paint, and like, oh my gosh, that's so cool. And and uh, so I would listen to that. I mean, I didn't understand anything that they were singing about, but the the face paint was really cool. And my mom was always mad that when she would figure out that I was sitting there looking at that stuff. But. What part of the country is this? Uh, this is uh, southern Indiana, okay. uh, Bedford, Indiana. So uh, there's a little rivalry between Indiana and Kentucky sitting here. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so it's a, I live about an hour, 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 yeah, about an hour north of Louisville, Kentucky, and about an hour and a half south of Indianapolis. So what at what point did you did you take up music? Did, um, you know, I always loved it, and I think maybe I was more of a ham and an entertainer. I mean, my dream job still is to be the guy that leads the jungle cruise at Disney World. I mean, that's really, that's really it. I could see that, and then you could play through the whole thing, yeah, too. Be yeah. the best tour ever. <laughs> exactly. I mean, they get a little music, a little this, a little that. But, you know, I, I, I was really involved in sports growing up, playing basketball. And I remember my mom got me an electric guitar, and she got me some lessons, but I just didn't practice very much. And so she just kind of, this is pointless to do the lessons. So I dropped out. But then, um, you know... Towards my senior year of high school, I, I really, I would always sing. My friends would play the guitar. I would sing growing up because mm-hmm. they were all too shy to sing. And I probably wasn't very good, but I was cool with trying. So, uh, and the, But then towards senior year of high school, I really got into playing. Basketball was done, and, um, and I just fell in love. I mean, I just, I've always been hooked on it and always wanted to be a part of it. I remember seeing the Garth Brooks special when he's out there and, uh, Swinging through, <laughs> yeah, they're in New York City, out in Central Park, with all these people, and I remember Johnny Cash special coming on when I was in junior high, and he's like, "Hello, my name's Johnny Cash," and I was like, "Holy crap, that's cool! I want to be, I want to do that." So the ham part came first, and then the music. Part. Oh yeah, 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 definitely the ham part first. <laughs> definitely the ham part first. Always loved to entertain. Um, What's your first time on stage? Uh, my first time was on stage was. Uh, uh, probably in elementary school, I, I got stuck in the back as one of those terrible reindeer, and, and I had to sing. But but stage stage wise was my freshman year of college. I remember sneaking into a bar. I kind of lied too. Yes. And uh, I snuck into this bar with my uh, with my college roommate, and his cousin was playing at this local our local bar that was the big spot in Bedford, Indiana, and. Uh, there, you know, I, I was terrified. I mean, I never did anything wrong as a kid, so I was like, oh, my gosh, I might go to jail tonight. So uh, we just rolled in. I just acted like no one was paying attention, and 
and the guy took a break. His my buddy's cousin was playing, and he took a break, and I just went up there and grabbed the guitar and played a couple songs, and I was hooked. What'd I mean, you play? Oh man, I think honestly, I think I played. Well, I saw her today at the reception. A glass of wine in her hand And I knew she was gonna meet her connection At her feet wasn't bloodstained man But you can't always get what you want No, you can't always get what you want yeah, you can't always get what you want But if you try sometimes You might find You get what you need mm-hmm. hey, Thank you, Mick Jagger yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that Jagger was not your hero growing up No, he wasn't, but it was like I was so nervous, I was so nervous I was shaking, I mean, it's like... Oh, I know that. Yeah, you, I mean, you had it. You, you get up were, there. You were, a, you were a fan of a fellow Hoosier, weren't you? Were you oh not? my gosh, John Mellencamp was my. He was. He was it. He was. He was. He was. I mean, he hung the the moon, the stars, everything. I mean, growing up in Southern Indiana, if you you didn't worship John Mellencamp, you there was something wrong with you. That's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he was. Did you ever uh, see that movie he made where he was a country artist? You know, I I've seen a little bit of it. I, the the most important thing was in uh, that Matthew McConaughey movie. Uh-huh. Uh, I think Time to Kill or something like that. He's got a Johnny Cougar right right shirt on. But no, I never have seen. I never it's have seen all that. Good. Is it's it really? And it was shot up there. Really? Uh-huh. Man, why am I not mm-hmm. seeing this? Yeah. I feel like I'm being sacrilegious right now. <laughs> you have that whale like his. I mean, mm-hmm. you, you, it's nice. You really go deep. Thanks. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's just, uh, I don't think anybody, you know, growing up, uh, and I'm sure Carly is the same, it's, uh, you know, from our area of the country, Kentucky, Indiana, Ohio, Illinois, Michigan, I feel like there's a, it's this Midwestern thing that's, uh, it's, that's undescribable, but he was able to describe it. Mm-hmm. In his lyrics and his songs, um, it's Heartland. Yeah, it's Heartland music. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, I think a lot of it resonates so much with me. Is uh, you know, you grow up in a small town where there's nothing to do. We didn't even have a dang movie theater until I was in high school. You know, so you mm-hmm. you you figure out things to do. You 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 know, you go out, you build a bonfire, you do all these things. You you uh, sneak away. Luckily, I never had a curfew, but all my friends did, so I had to eventually go home at some point. Carly, it's this is not an easy business. I mean, it has a lot of ups and downs and disappointments, and doors get slammed in your face, doors get opened. I mean, talk a little bit about your roller coaster ride since you started really treating this like your profession. Mm-hmm. Ooh, uh, I moved here in 2009, and I was immediately kind of put into the songwriting community and started writing and co-writing and thought, oh, I'm going to be famous at 21. It's going to be fine. And kind of was just naive to how much it's about the work and building your brand and who you are as an artist and that conveying in your songs. And so I kind of had a journey of different publishing deals and I ended up getting a developmental record deal in 2012 with Sony and thought that was going to be the end, you know, it was going to make me a star. And I 
I now look back and see how much I really didn't know who I was as an artist or even as a, as a young woman. Really? Um, yeah, I, I, I'm so thankful that that didn't happen. But my A&R lady got fired. And I remember feeling so empty and not knowing what was going to happen. And, you know, the whole town kind of was like, ooh, she's had a deal. Thankfully, I'd never been put out to radio, but I felt the backlash of nobody answering my calls anymore, people not wanting to write with me. not Damaged damaged goods. Yeah, I was old news, and I had been told that I was old news. I was told to move home. I was told, you know, I I spent many, many days after meetings crying in my car, and that's not an exaggeration. And uh, I took a job because I couldn't get a job in the music industry, I cleaned Airbnbs and I nannied. And I got a call to be in a music video for an actress. Her name's Lucy Hale and she's on a TV show called Pretty Little Liars. And they wanted me to be a backup singer in a video. And I was like, oh, whatever. Yeah, sure. Get me out of this nanny job. (laughs) So I go and it's at the Grand Ole Opry and the Grand Ole Opry was my dream. And I wouldn't, I had to sing with her on the Opry stage. And I remember just being like, oh my gosh, I don't want to step in that circle. This is so weird because it's not me. And I ended up talking to her tour manager, and I said, if you ever need a backup singer for real, let me know. Two weeks later, they called me, flew me out to L.A., and I was with her for a couple months. And so I was a backup singer still on the stage, but not the singer. I was part of the band, and that was kind of a humbling experience for me of kind of praying to God and going. I remember praying on that plane going, use me however you want to use me. Maybe I'm not meant to be the star. I don't know. And I had so much peace about that, and I went and did that, and... I came back and it was just this whirlwind of um, gaining her followers and then making relationships on my own with XM and Spotify and the Opry and CMT and just really coming back and going, all right, I'm going to do this and I'm going to find my people. It only takes one champion to kind of start opening doors for you. And I found that in my publisher at BMG um, in 2015. And he was like, I know that you're kind of broken and I know that you feel like the town isn't going to listen, but we'll make them listen. And he helped me to shape this thing. And I got in a van and I toured and I made the relationships and slowly but surely started to feel like I mattered again. And um, I feel like where I'm at right now is such a testament to everybody in town who feels like they can't do it and they feel like they've been in town for too long or people have told them no too many times. I've been passed on by every record label at least three times. And uh, it's, good it's for just, you. yeah. It, <laughs> Was there a song that came out of that experience? Oh, goodness. I'm sure. Let's see. I, uh, I wrote this song just about kind of losing yourself, and I'll sing the particular verse about it but um you know you have to you have to go through things and you lose yourself sometimes and uh this song is called you know where to find me and it's just this verse in particular is kind of pays tribute to kind of how i felt in that time Feels a lot like a tornado Spinning me around without a place to land Oh, and there in the chaos we lock eyes You always show up right on time Swear you calm the storm The touch of your hand When I'm feeling lost When I'm feeling weak You know how to bring me back to On the edge 
Nice. She's got some chops, hasn't she? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Sam, pretty. Thank you. Is it true you slept in your car, Clayton? Uh, <laughs> I mean, talk uh, about doing anything to oh, make it. Oh, man, that's embarrassing. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's a, it's a funny thing. Like, like Carly says, you, uh, you get told no and it's, it's, a, you know, when you first come to town, you get here and it's so intimidating. I didn't move here right away. I, I slowly dipped my feet into the water a little bit and, uh, would crash on some couches and hearing that. But when, when you could, when you were invited and welcome, uh, the, uh, the funny thing is you're, you're told no a lot. And, you know, I remember, sitting there in the tin roof parking lot which is no longer there so i don't know what i would do right now if i came to town but i over had no there on street? That yeah, big over lot, there on right? street yep. that mm -hmm. big lot where there's now an apartment there's complex an apartment complex mm -hmm. there now i know yeah. exactly where you mean I remember so that. i those, there's two hotels there there's the comfort inn and then there's the best western right there right that surrounded that parking lot and i sit there and i was like man i have no money i had absolutely no money uh I wasn't able to, I was just coming down trying to make some relationships or friends and wasn't able to, uh, you know, find an invitation to a couch or anything like that. So I just started sleep. I slept in my car and then, uh, my, my parents, they, they support me like no other. They really have, but I was doing bad in school because I was laying out late, playing in bars, playing music and my grades suffered. So my dad had to cut me off like he should. And, um, uh, no wonder you had to sleep in your car. Yeah, I had absolutely no money. So I would come down, and my, my strategy was so embarrassing. My strategy was I would sleep in my car like two days and then save up 30 bucks to sleep in the red roof in and take a shower. Like that playing day. the bars over there? No, I never played in the bars down here. That's one of the strange things about my story of, of Nashville. I played every bar outside of Nashville and all over the Midwest and Southeast. Um, but I really never played the honky tonks downtown. Um, I would play the tin roof, played the tin roof a lot, but um, I never have, I never did play the honky tonks. Well, it, it was close to your bed. Yeah, it was close. It was a, <laughs> it was a short stumble. You know, they didn't pay a lot of money. They paid a lot of beer money, so they paid a lot of beer. But uh, it was just an e easy stumble out to the. And the nice thing is, it was Pontiac Aztec, so it kind of popped up into a tent. So I could at least stretch my feet out <laughs> a little good. bit because being six three, you get a little tight. So it, in the back it, of the car. it really was the 2008 win on the Kenny Chesney contest that opened the door? Yeah, that really was. So I, I graduated school. Tell me that. Yeah, t how did you enter it and what happened? And yeah, I graduated Indiana University and I was sitting there. I We were playing music. I had this really crappy cover band that would play two original songs that we thought were amazing. And... Uh, uh, I was doing some home mortgage on the side and some landscape. I had a little landscaping business, and that would allow me to keep playing music. And my friends all kept saying, when are you going to grow up? When When's Clayton going to get a real job? Uh, when's he going to quit playing around? And uh, I never really looked at it as playing around. I, I really loved music. I wanted to do it. Um, you know, we've had a lot of successful singers come from Indiana, like Mellencamp, uh, Babyface, uh, the Jacksons, obviously. Uh, John Hyatt, um, all kinds of great musicians, but no one really looks at it as a career uh, from from our area of town. All, even though there's a lot of great singers and stuff, but uh, so I was sitting there working for a lady. Longer story, longer. I was uh, sitting there working for a lady, doing some landscaping for her. She came out. She said, "Hey, you should enter this Kenny Chesney contest he's doing." And I said, "Okay, yeah, whatever." So I waited a few weeks. 
Um, this was Next Big Star. Next Big Star, yeah. This was Kenny Chesney's Next Big Star competition that he was doing along with the Poets and Pirates tour. And uh, finally I said, all right, whatever. So I submitted. So just give it a shot, see what happens. Uh, Worst is say they won't call me. So I sent in our, a song that we recorded in my basement uh, in college. It was the first song called California Sunshine that I'd ever uh, written, wrote, whatever the correct grammar is. Um, but uh, we sent it in B9, uh, B105 in Cincinnati, picked. It's a, my country's yeah. Sorry, continue. No. So you're from northern Kentucky? Yeah. All right. Okay, you're not so bad now. Uh-uh. <laughs> Station. Come yeah. On. So, uh, so they picked it. They picked it out. We got put in a battle of the bands. I had no clue what the battle of the bands were. I thought, are we going to fight people? Like <laughs> I had no. And I'm kind of a sissy, you know. I've never been in a fight in my life. So, um, yeah. So we went over. We won the battle of the bands. The luckiest thing about it is that usually you had to play the next night. Right. We had a whole month to milk the time out of this thing that we were getting to open up for Kenny Chesney. So. My, I've always said you got to take advantage of the situation that you're given. you got to just make the most of it. And so somehow this station that's a huge station plays our crappy <laughs> original song over their airwaves. We get to open up and, and, you know, being a part of it, seeing, seeing everything, getting our 15 minutes to go out there is us, Leanne Rimes, and then Kenny. Um, it was it was everything. It was the kick in the butt that said, "Just go do it. Quit being you a chicken." Play. You got to play the song. <laughs> the song that got us there. Yep, yep. All right. Oh man, it's been a the while. One that, the one that brung you. It's been a while. In California sunshine in your head. I've got you everywhere in my mind and my heart. You will always be California sunshine. To me. Mm-hmm. So nice. Yeah. There you go. First song I ever wrote. Man, it's been a while since wow. I played that I one. can't believe you got on. Uh, the Kenny Chesney plays to huge crowds. Oh, yeah. We were playing. They said there were about 15,000 people inside the amphitheater when we played. Now, it was, I mean, it was nerve-wracking, which I loved it. I mean, the, the bigger the crowd, the better as a person who wants to be an entertainer and everything. But it was uh, it was nuts. Carly, I know that Carrie Underwood's a big hero of yours. Is that the kind of sound we should expect from you when you've just signed your recording contract? Woo! Yay! Congratulations! Congratulations! <laughs> um, no. Definitely not. No. I, <laughs> I love her. I, I think she's amazing. I think, I mean, anybody who knows me knows I have a slight little girl crush on Carrie. Um, but because of my background and because of the uh, acoustic bluegrass true you know i come from kentucky the home where i feel like some of the best singers have come from that just have so much texture to their voice people like patty loveless and uh ricky skaggs and winona judd and um i i feel like dwight yokum dwight yokum i mean just really stylists and i think my voice has its own kind of unique modern flair of I want to sing modern country I don't really want to sing pop country but having Busby as my producer who is a pop he comes from a pop background um he kind of keeps me what I say he'll keep me on the radio just because I think I would naturally go towards the Alison Krauss Sonia Isaacs that kind of vein but also you know I I think I'm going to be hopefully when people listen to my music they hear the modern day Alison Krauss Trisha Yearwood Sarah Evans kind of vein. I, I want to make just modern country music. I wrote this um, about a boy 
from Texas that told me I would never make it in music, which is just funny because this is the song that got me a record deal. So thank you to him. Uh, but you know, it's I wrote this song for therapy because I was so broken and it I went into this writing session and I told my co-writer as co-writers I was like I want to write a haunting ballad. And if you write songs in Nashville, that's like no songwriter wants to write with an unsigned artist a haunting ballad because that's never going to get cut. No one cares. Right. But they went with it with me. And I, your heart is in charge of when you are ready to let somebody go. You don't really have control over that. And I wanted to take people on a kind of a ride of my personal story of trying to get over this, this person and living with his ghost. So this is called Every Little Thing. that you left on my pillow The sound of your heartbeat with mine The look in your eyes like a window And the taste of your kiss soaked in wine Every little thing I remember every little thing The high, the hurt, the shine, the sting Every little thing Very sweet. Mm. Very nice. Yes. Very nice. Yeah. Does it worry you that you don't have a plan B? Or is this tough? This is it. Music or bust? I, I'm very honest, if you can't tell. Uh, I'll tell you what I think. I think there have been times in my life that I have wondered, just like Clayton said, all of your friends kind of looking at you going, you know, are you going to get a real job? Like, what do you do down there in Nashville? And even though I had a publishing deal, that wasn't really what I wanted to do. I wanted to write songs for myself, but I wanted to be the artist. I never really wanted to just write songs for other people. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I think there have been times along the way that I've questioned it, but it's never been an option truly in my heart. I've always known that this is what I wanted to do. And it was kind of the ride or die for me. And I've I'm thankful that I've been able to pay my bills for, you know, the majority of the time that I've been here doing it. But if I had to go back tomorrow and it all went away, I'd go back and, you know, clean Airbnbs again just to figure out the next move because I feel like music is where I belong. Clayton? What do you... What, if this doesn't work out, uh-huh. is there a plan? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, we, we don't have... Not a, that it's not going no, to. No, no, we don't have a record deal yet. And I think, you know, it's... Uh, it's one of those things. I, I never knew anything about the music business, really. I knew how to go out and play shows, win fans, from going from college town to college town, and uh, it was one of those things. I think when that moment in two thousand and eight, you know, I remember sitting there out on the lake talking to my dad. I was like, I just got to go do it. I gotta. I used the expression of you know burning our ships, and there's no, there's no turning back. It's 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 this or nothing. And I think when you have a plan B, it's just like being a scaredy cat in a haunted house. You can take the exit and get out and probably go make a lot more money, mm-hmm. have a stable life, have do the American dream. Um, but that's just, you know, luckily, I, you know, I, my, I'm just 
wanted to chase my dreams, and I, I felt like that was the only way to do it, is just have no plan B. Is there a stigma attached to being a contest winner, do you think? Or is that a, was, was it genuinely a help? Um, you know, honestly, I don't know. I think <laughs> I think everything today, you know, you, uh, anymore, you know, if you get on reality TV, you get a whole bunch of followers and, and you can you can have some success for a little bit. I think uh, if you're on a contest show, you can have a little success for a little bit. Some people have turned it into... Huge successes, yeah, Miranda a long, Lambert. long time. Mm-hmm. Chris, Chris Young. I think, I think, uh, I think the the longer the shows go, the harder it is because it becomes about the show and not the artist. And you know, I've had a lot of people ask, well, why don't you go do the Voice or this show or that show? And honestly, it's because what Carly touched on earlier about her experiences when she first came here. It's about knowing yourself as an artist and. I'm already there. I, I know where I want to be. I know what I want to sing about, so I don't really need to go on the show. We're just waiting for a little break that will get us to the masses of people, and I would rather not go on that way because they'll leave you just as quick as they found you if they don't believe in the artists. If they're believing in the show, then they're really not believing in me. Therefore, the Kenny Chesney thing, I think, helped me only because it was me. Are you building a team here in Nashville? Yeah, luckily, you know, we've had a lot of success. A lot of because we're able to sell tickets. You know, we can sell a lot of tickets out on the road that you know signed acts can't even sell mm-hmm. in certain markets. Um, now, granted, <laughs> when you get out of our radius, they greatly diminish <laughs> and go away quickly. Um, but I, you know, like you said, I'm able to, like Carly said, I'm able to, able to pay my bills by playing on the road. I don't have a publishing deal, don't have a record deal yet. Um, but you know, I signed with, uh, Borman entertainment, uh, about two years ago. They're a great That's management a great company, team, yeah. great management team who also manages, uh, one of Carly's heroes, Alison Krauss. Um, so they, they know music. Uh, they know everything about the digital world. Um, they're great champions. Um, so it's, it's just about, you know, building that booking team, building, building, uh, obviously since our shows are all about the road, more of a Bruce Springsteenish approach to road dogging it out there, you know? Well, it's the old fashioned way. You yeah. win them over one at a time. And I still believe that that's, you know, I know there's a lot of quick ways to get there and maybe had I made a couple of different decisions, maybe I would have already been there. Maybe I wouldn't have, maybe I would have fell on my face. You're right that's, where you belong. That's exactly. Where, that's where exactly. Eric Church did it. Yeah. It, I mean, he yeah. built it without any kind of media. He just went out there and won those fans over one at a time. Yeah. And, that's, and you are right where you belong, yeah. but you should sing for us. Oh, I'm right where I belong. Got a good thing going on. It ain't no sweeter, easy going. It ain't no softer summer breeze. Ain't no place I'd rather call home. Oh, I'm guys so much for spending time with us it was thank a blast you. thank you love your music love your stuff good luck to both of you thank you, thank you. spread those little wings and fly that's right Get them. <laughs> thanks before we let you go we want to welcome you to the b-side stories from the road first some producers notes since we last sat down with carly and clayton big things continue to happen for both of our up-and-coming stars 
Carly's debut album, Every Little Thing, was actually released today, October 13th, and the title song is a big top 20 hit on the country charts as it inches its way toward the top. Meanwhile, Clayton's new EP, Only to Borrow, is available at all online retailers where it's been streamed over a million times. And now, one last story. As we were packing up, Clayton shared a fun road story. When you're starting out, before you get on the big tour buses, you have to make your way in the van. Here's Clayton with a glimpse of his adventures touring through West Virginia. When you're out on the road... You, everything's not always as glamorous as what it seems when it starts. You got to tell us your goofiest road story. Uh, the goofiest road story is probably uh, when we were in the middle of nowhere, West Virginia. Uh, we were stranded. Our car, our van, overheated. Uh, we c- had to push it back to the exit because literally it was, I thought it was going to burn up if we tried to start it and drive it back. So I text, uh, I sent out a tweet to a West Virginia native, uh, West Virginia University alum, Pat McAfee, who's one of my favorite. He plays for our Indianapolis Colts, my beloved Indianapolis Colts. He was no help at all. He was out doing something else. We could barely get reception. We call this tow truck guy or this guy who's going to come fix our car. He brings up like a semi-truck type fixer-upper type deal and I looked at my guitar player and I said if he says that his cousin is going to come help him fix us I'm going to go to the gas station and buy a bunch of beer because I don't want to die feeling it (laughs) and sure enough he's in there under the hood looking at it he's like yep you know what I'm going to call my cousin and see if he'll come help us out and I'm sure we can get this thing fixed I look at him and say that's it I'm going to go get some do you want some so I went down and got a little bit of a if my grandma's listening right now, obviously water and Coca-Cola classic <laughs> and uh, brought it back. And then uh, sure enough, his other cousin showed up. There were five cousins there helping get our car fixed. Daryl and Daryl. And by golly, <laughs> Daryl and Daryl got us back on the road. And we still made our show in Maryland that night. So West Virginia, I still love you, even though I tease you a little bit about it. <laughs> Great. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks for having us. Yeah. That was fun. That was fun. That's cool. You. I never did anything like that. That's, That's cool. awesome. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, Fox News contributor and editor of the Transom.com daily newsletter. And I'm inviting you to join a conversation every week. It's the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Listen to Fox News Podcast shows ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or follow wherever you get your podcasts.